This is Ellen Goldsmith, and welcome to Health Currents Radio. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Peter Bongiorno, naturopathic physician and licensed acupuncturist and author of the book, How Come They're Happy and I'm Not, The Complete Natural Program for Healing Depression for Good. So we're talking about depression, and depression is a big problem worldwide. According to the U.S. Center for Disease Control, in any given year, there are 18.8 million American adults who suffer from depression. And by the year 2020, depression will only be second to heart disease in the cause of burden and disability. It's a big problem. And Dr. Bongiorno, whom we're speaking with today, has plenty of experience. Besides a thriving practice in New York City and the New York area, he was a pre-doctoral fellow at the National Institutes of Health, as well as its Department of Clinical Neuroendocrinology. And he also did research at Yale in the Department of Pharmacology before training at Bastyr University in naturopathic medicine and acupuncture. Dr. Bongiorno co-created and teaches the Integrative Medicine Elective at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine and also teaches about holistic medicine at New York University and the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York. He serves as vice president of the New York Association of Naturopathic Physicians and was chosen as their Naturopathic Physician of the Year in New York in 2008. Dr. Bongiorno joins us from New York. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Well, we're talking about depression, and depression is really a serious problem, and people feel it, people suffer from it, and are always seeking ways to alleviate it, and most of the time they go to a psychiatrist and get some medication, but the naturopathic medical point of view and the Chinese medicine point of view are very, very different, and I I wonder if you could speak to our listeners on what your approach to looking at depression is. Sure. Um, well, the first thing that I think about when I think about depression, and especially the way it's treated in conventional terms, uh, is that you know the word depression just really means a person has low mood, and it doesn't tell anyone why that is. You know, it doesn't tell the psychiatrist. It certainly doesn't tell you know you as a patient why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And I think the the conventional approach is really to you know circle around and try different drugs until one sort of hits. Your, your body's neurotransmitters, which are the molecules in the brain and in the body that help change emotion. And, and usually people play around with different medications until they find one that seems to work. And, and the truth is, as far as depression goes, it works about 27 to 30% of the time, which is really not much more than placebo or sugar pill would work to treat that condition. And I think the reason is, is because there's many, many more issues besides neurotransmitters. And I love the naturopathic approach, and I'm proud and I love being a naturopathic physician because we really try to understand, well, what's going on in the body that's creating the symptom, which we call depression. And there are many Many, many different factors. So what are some of those factors that you're, you're looking at when a patient comes into your, your clinic? Sure. Well, in most cases, um, it's not one factor. It's a, it's a number of factors. And so the things I like to look at, uh, probably the first two things I look at are how people are sleeping and how their digestion is. Uh, you know, when people don't sleep well, they're going to be prone to have any condition that they might be susceptible to. And the fact of the matter is, is that in a very high percentage of people with depression, there is uh, an insomnia or sleeplessness involved, usually one that precedes the depression. There are a few people with depression who actually sleep too much, but that's not as common 
And sometimes, and I, you know, I even saw a patient this week where um, I think they mistook, they mistook her for sleeping too much. It was a young girl about 24 years old. And when I really took a close history, what I learned was that the reason why she was sleeping so late into the afternoon is because she was having a hard time getting to sleep at normal hours. So really the issue was she had this insomnia throughout the night and then she stayed in bed through the day. So most patients with depression have problems with sleep. But then you, I just wondered... Because there are also those people, especially women like new moms or perimenopausal women who have the constantly interrupted sleep. Yes. And, y you know, if you lose two hours a night, you're losing one night of sleep a week. So that'll make anybody yeah. depressed. Yeah, and that's a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then you were talking about digestion as well. Yeah, so digestion is another uh, top issue for me. Um, you know, I, I always ask how how often does a person poop? You know, how often are they pooping? And, um, and oftentimes, uh, it's not every day. And I like to see people pooping at least every day. It tells me, you know, that their digestion is moving, that they're moving out toxins as they need to. Um, so there's a lot of ramifications when we don't have good bowel movements. And then even for people who do have good bowel movements, um, in terms of frequency, um, sometimes really the issue is the digestion still isn't optimal. There's a lot of inflammation in there. And, um, you know, there's a book that came out in the late eighties, early nineties called the second brain. And it was about the digestive tract and how many of the neurotransmitters and those molecules of emotion are actually made in the digestive tract. So when the digestion isn't healthy, there's a very strong association with poor mood. That's really interesting. So you're saying that that inflammation or that kind of toxic overload in the gut if someone is constipated is actually affecting their mood. Yeah, absolutely. And there's many studies now to show uh, different kinds of food sensitivities and food allergies. It all started, I think, the, some of that research with celiac disease, which is an inflammation of the digestive tract caused by an allergy to the gluten protein. And they showed uh, years ago that people who had celiac disease and this inflammation clearly had much more psychiatric issues than people who didn't. And now other studies are starting to show that other food sensitivities uh, can also contribute. And what happens is when there's a lot of inflammation in the gut, um, that really turns into inflammation in the brain and in the parts of the brain that control the nervous system, the endocrine or the hormonal system, and the immune system. So then you're saying that then that sets off a cascade in the body where the endocrine system is uh, dysregulated or uneven or the immune system isn't as well supported, and that, of course, affects our mood tremendously. Exactly. So if you have a perimenopausal woman who's, whose hormones are you know, having trouble with balance to begin with, and then you add in a digestive problem that can throw off that whole neuroendocrine system, then that can you know, predispose that someone even further to those mood issues. Not, not, to, not to leave out the stress that it, it uh, puts on our adrenals and uh, our levels of adrenaline and cortisol in the body, which is if anyone has a small child who's hungry or sleepy and they don't get to eat or sleep when they're ready, you know what happens. They start bouncing off the walls and 
Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, brings up another two good points. You mentioned adrenal function and that whole system, which is called in the brain, the hypothalamic, pituitary, and then in the adrenal glands, that HPA axis is a big part of, uh, you know, that stress response and, and why people get predisposed to mood issues. And you mentioned, you know, when, when a child doesn't eat properly, and I think that's very true for adults, either when they have too much sugar or they're not eating regularly and their blood sugar fluctuates, that'll also be a strong contributor to different kinds of mood issues as well. So for our listeners out there, they're, I think you're getting the idea now that it's kind of complex and there are lots of factors in the body that uh, control very subtle changes in how we feel, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, um, you know, it's a myriad of factors. And usually when I see patients, you know, they've been to one or two psychiatrists, they've been on a number of different medications, and some work partially, some didn't work at all, some just had side effects. And, and, and you know, no one's really sat down with them and looked at all these different factors. And what I find is it's not usually one or two factors, it's a number of smaller factors that if we just work on one at a time, we probably won't get a person feeling much better. But if we work on them in concert, then people start to see positive changes. That's a beautiful way to put it, in concert. How about the concert with Chinese medicine? How does that contribute to how you look at a patient? Yes, well, I'm also an acupuncturist, so I'm trained in Chinese medicine. And Chinese medicine, uh, you know, has a very interesting look at depression. Um, there's a few ways to look at it. You know, the heart in Chinese medicine is really where the spirit is. And it's interesting because, you know, the Chinese knew about the brain thousands of years ago, but they actually didn't really assign a lot of importance to it. They kind of just saw it as a relay station and is affected by what goes on in the body, which I think is really interesting because, you know, as a modern day naturopathic doctor, in a way, I sort of look at it the same way, that I think there are a lot of things that affect the brain that we just talked about and that, um, and that the brain itself may or may not be the major player involved, even though I think modern psychiatry thinks of it that way. So China Chinese medicine clearly sees the whole body as a holistic unit and that there are a lot of things that can affect the nerves and, and affect brain function. And so they call it a, an issue of the heart spirit. You know, sometimes it, it can be considered um, a, a, an imbalance of yin and yang, you know, which is kind of like the, um, the, the, ener the main energies that surround us. Um, sometimes it can be considered something called phlegm stagnation or phlegm misting the mind. So some people who either they don't have good digestion or they take in a lot of things that are too heavy for them and they're not really breaking them down and it creates all this phlegm and all this dampness and it kind of messes up the system and can create that mood issue too. So in Chinese medicine, there are a few different ways to look at depression. Uh, th those are just some of them. They are, and I, I just want to let our listeners know also that Chinese medicine, is a, it, as well as it, it coincides with the Western physiology, it's a very metaphoric language. So we often speak about, like Dr. Bongiorno said, phlegm misting the mind, meaning that our interior landscape is very much the reflection of the exterior landscape out there. And, and like he said, in, in terms of digestion, if things aren't breaking down, it's like a stagnant pond. Things just kind of hang around. And, uh, you know, when things hang around that we don't need or want, we know how we feel not so good. Yeah, well, well said. <laughs> Just to, to let our listeners know. I think it's really important. I, I'd like to, um, now that we've talked about how you approach 
a person holistically and integratively as they walk into your clinic with feeling low mood and depression. Also, there's something very unique to the medicine, naturopathic medicine and Chinese medicine, and it's this concept of removing the obstacle to cure. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, we're well, removing the obstacle to cure is certainly very um, fundamental to naturopathic care. And when you look at any patient with any issue and challenge, you want to, you know, think about, okay, what are really the things blocking um, the ability of the body to heal? And that's considered the obstacle to cure. And depression is interesting because it can have a number of them, uh, like we talked about. And sometimes with depression, you, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of wonderful studies, let's say, about exercise for depression. And exercise has been shown to be as good and better than any medication by far. Uh, it does so many things on so many levels. I, I would, could spend a couple of hours just listing those things out. <laughs> um, you know, blood sugar and helping uh, your lipids and lowering inflammation and all these amazing things. Right. Um, but, you know, a patient with depression might come to me and say, well, you know, I, I would like to exercise, but I'm too depressed to get out there and do it. <laughs> so right. to say, well, one of the obstacles is that they're not exercising, but the other obstacle is that if, you know, if they felt good enough to go exercise, it probably would mean they're not depressed. Right, exactly. Um, so, so we have to figure out, well, what is it, I think, that what can we start with that they will do? And it's interesting because for each patient, it's very different. You know, I have some patients who are depressed, but exercise is not a problem. You know, they'll go out and do it, but, um, you know, they just won't get to bed on time. Their bedtime rituals are really tough for them. Um, so, you know, see, so we have to find out or other people, you know, they'll they'll do the bedtime ritual, but the foods are very much a difficulty in terms of changing and and, and creating a healthier food uh, intake. Um, so everyone has different parameters and I think messages that we tell ourselves in our head that can be either very, very helpful or can be obstacles. So one of the things I like to do is try to understand where we can start. Mm. So. In Sometimes I don't even think about what the obstacles are. I think about what what are the, what kind of the low hanging fruit that we can really work with. And in fact, in, in my book, um, I talk a little bit about in the beginning uh, just the really quick and easy steps that I think people most people can do, or hopefully they can do a couple of them just to kind of get started and just to help them start to feel better, even though you know they don't really feel so good and probably don't want to do a whole lot. Exactly, and that's Dr. Bongiorno's book, How Come They're Happy and I'm Not, The Complete Natural Program for Healing Depression. Um, this is available. You can get it on uh, your site uh, at innersourcehealth.com or drpeterbongiorno.com, just to let our listeners know, because I really appreciated how simply you broke it down for people, making it very doable to take those, those first steps in the book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying um, yeah, because it's, uh, like I said, it, it's a challenge when you're depressed. Uh, you know, I know as naturopaths, sometimes we, we like to get people to go to their health food store and, you know, buy some wild salmon and cook up the kale and quinoa. And, and that's great. But if people aren't really even want to get a get out of bed or having a hard time even taking care of their kids, it's probably going to be hard for them to go do those things. So, so we have to start whatever, what's the simplest and, you know, that's going to give us some bang for the buck in terms of getting them feeling better quicker. Exactly. I wanted to uh, mention a quote in your book that I really appreciated. It was from the Romans 5, colon 3-4, 
which said, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, you know, that, I think that's a very powerful uh, quote there. And, um, and you know, and the idea is, is that at one level, we, there are so many things to be learned from experiences and challenges we go through, whether it's depression or anxiety or an autoimmune disease or anything else. And, and one thing that I've learned in the past 10 years working with patients is that, you know, when we kind of move through and get to the other side, there's usually things we can really be thankful for. And I, and I know, and it's especially someone who doesn't feel well and is listening to this, you know, they're thinking to themselves, gosh, you know, this guy does not know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, I, I think we've all been through some difficult times. And during those times, it, it's, it doesn't feel like there's much to be thankful for. But, you know, when we can go back and look in retrospect, usually these, these are times when we can learn uh, coping skills and, and kind of gain wisdom that mm -hmm. helps us move forward. Right. And, uh, and that's what that quote is about, is that, is that kind of idea. And even if people don't feel good, I'd like to put that out there just because I want them to know that there is, I think, some meaning behind a lot of this and that we can start to look for that and, and we can start to use that to our advantage. And, and one of the things that I really uh, get concerned about with medications, whether it's for anxiety or depression or a lot of uh, different conditions is that, you know, if we suppress the body and suppress the symptoms, a lot of times we can feel better, but we don't gain that wisdom. You know, we don't gain that processing capacity. And, and as we move forward in life, that's really important because the fact of the matter is, that, you know, I think life does throw similar things at us. <laughs> right. Again, and, and in a way, I, I think it's up to us to try to figure out how to learn from it as best we can. Um, you know, and it's not to say that medications don't have a role. I think when people are really in trouble and, and they can't take care of themselves or there's a risk of hurting someone, then, you know, of course, it, it might make sense in the short term to use a medication. So I don't want people listening to think that it's never a good idea. Um, and certainly if people are on medication, they shouldn't just stop taking it without speaking to their prescribing doctor. Um, but I think for the long term, the medications don't kind of bring on that processing that allows us to create wisdom and allows us to actually prevent it uh, from happening again. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, the point that you're bringing up is that as you speak, I think, you know, all of this processing and, and it can be quite difficult to feel depressed and people feel very isolated. So it's important to be working with someone, either your naturopathic physician and a psychologist or therapist or, you know, someone where you're getting help because it's very hard when you're in that in that state to transform it yourself. So that kind of support will help people work through the, the difficulty that they're in at that time. Absolutely. And, and even more than one person, I think it's nice to have a team of a couple of people. And uh, when patients first come in, one of the first thing I'll do is assess, you know, what their support system, whether it's family and friends, and, and then also professional people, because you can't always rely on family and friends to bring, you know, good kind of objective um, views to things. But it's good to have them for support and for care. And then really having, you know, people have a nice team, you know, whether it's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a naturopath, an acupuncturist. Um, you know, it's just great having not one person, but 
a few people, the way I explain it to patients is, you know, you want, if you have a stool, the more legs on the stool, the stronger the stool is going to be. And if, and if any one of those come out, um, you still have a couple of others supporting you. And uh, so I think that's very, very important. Great. Well, I think that you've just presented to people a different way and a different approach to dealing with their depression and their issues of low mood. So this is going to conclude the first part of our interview with Dr. Peter Bongiorno that we're talking, we've just talked about the naturopathic and Chinese medicine approach to depression. And next week, I really look forward to continuing our discussion where we get into talking about the different kinds of treatments that are available. So you can also learn more about Dr. Bongiorno by his book by visiting his websites, Dr. Peter Bongiorno, B-O-N-G-I-O-R-N-O.com, or InnerSourceHealth.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Bongiorno, and I really look forward to continuing our conversation. Thank you so much. I look forward to it as well. So I think that from our show with Dr. Bongiorno, he really illuminated that the naturopathic and Chinese medicine approach to treating depression is a little bit different and it is comprehensive and can be inclusive of what you're doing with your psychiatrist or your psychologist. But really what I took away from it is that Action can be the antidote to despair, as Joan Baez said. So every small step of action will empower you on your path to feeling better. That's all for our show today. I'm Ellen Goldsmith at Health Currents Radio, and I want to thank our sponsor, Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic in downtown Portland, Oregon. You can find Pearl Natural Health at pearlnaturalhealth.com. You can always listen to Health Currents Radio and find all of our past shows at healthcurrentsradio.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes by going to the podcast in the store. You can find us on the mobile app Stitcher, find us on Twitter at Pearl Natural, or join our conversation and community on facebook.com slash healthcurrentsradio. We want to know how you're transforming your life through your health. 